Welcome to the For Freedom Podcast. This podcast exists to bring the freedom of the gospel for everyday Christians with everyday issues. Now here are your hosts, John Hollyfield and James Seyfried. What kind of shallow person do you want to become? Recovering from fundamentalism or something. They're everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. Uh, don't get flubbed up like us. And all you flubbed up people, you come, we'll all flub up together. Or do you have it up? I don't have it up, but I can get it up. What is number three? What does for freedom mean? James. Tag. Yeah. Let's jump, let's jump into it. So basic, our, our premise, our mission statement is we exist to bring the message of Galatians 5.1, which you read earlier. Uh, Christ, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit yourself against the yoke of slavery. To those in the body of Christ who have been trapped in the legalism of the IFB, it's our goal to expose legalism, help those who have been abused by legalism, and encourage them to grow in God's grace and to accomplish all these things through the Word of God by expounding the Scriptures. So that's our basic premise is we want to help those who have been hurt in uh, any form of spiritual abuse, whether that's in the IFB, whether that's in a, another organization. We want to help those who have been hurt uh, through this abuse. And it's so often, um, I was talking to my wife just the other day about this, about how we as people love to be in this this. I won't say slavery, but in this yoke of bondage, mm-hmm. it's easy for us to live in a life where everyone dictates everything we need to do because it's an easy accountability system. It's okay. Yeah. If I'm doing this, I'm, I'm living right. If I'm not, I'm not right. And so we fall into this category of slavery and Christ admonishes us to this and says, don't be in the slavery of what you were in, but be under the yoke that Christ has given us. Um, mm-hmm. And to get off of that slavery and to be under his uh, guiding hand of scripture. So that's sort of our, our thought there, John, anything else? I know we've, we've pivoted our podcast a little bit from legalism and spiritual abuse to uh, how we can help those who have been hurt uh, and address specific topics. So John, why don't you talk on that for just a moment? But uh, yeah. And I'd say that that still doesn't change with Galatians five one because um, he is talking to, to all believers in that, that, um, even whether it's legalism or, or some type of sin, it, like James was saying, it, it, we it's real easy to venture off into being under bondage by something else. But he's 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 given us freedom, and we need to stand firm in freedom. And and, and you know, there's a there's an attitude out there that we need to be sort of soft and loving. We're Christians. We, you know, we need to be uh, lay down or, or so. And, and that's not the language used here. The language used here is stand firm, and it's almost it's almost a, a fight. Yeah, it's a, he's like you know <laughs> this is not something. And if you read it, if you read the whole book of Galatians in chapter two, you see Paul doing that very thing. 
Yeah. He's getting in Peter's face. Yeah. You know, and so this is something that like we're called to. It's it's freedom must be um uh contended for. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's one of the I, I think that scripturally you look and you find um it, it scripture lays out different purposes for our salvation. The ultimate purpose of our salvation is the glory of God. One is laid out for us, I think, in John chapter four with the story of the woman at the well. He says that he has come to create worshipers for yeah. him. I think Paul's given us another purpose here for our salvation, for us to be free. Yeah. it's good. Yeah. Um, so um, my story and James seems like they're kind of similar, where we just came to it um, almost peacefully. Came out of the, I mean, I look back on my fundamental days, and I have good memories. Um, I don't agree with everything, of course. I have objections, but I, have, I don't have – no abuse happened to me personally, um, like not directly. Um, and but there are, there is a need there for those that have been abused because that often pushes them almost off the edge, if not off yeah. the edge. And there needs to be people there to catch them and be like, "Hey, it's okay." There's actually you can actually use the scripture as a prodding staff and not a sword to to beat you with. And it can it can help us be a comfort. And you all you all seem to be filling that void where people catching those people that have been hurt and abused in that type of movement. That's good. Well, all right, you guys are up. <laughs> Next number, I will ask them a question on, right, John? Yes. Yes. All right. So, uh, next up, number four, I believe it is where we're at. Uh, I've lost count as well. Has fundamentalism negatively impacted your own pursuit of truth? Well, um, I think I'll take that one. I didn't grow up in the church, uh, I was a pagan of pagans, you know, <laughs> and fundamentalism helped me so much at my conversion to understand the the seriousness of trusting the scriptures you know so like at, at my church that was always reiterated to me is is trust the scriptures trust the scriptures um were there hurts from my church yeah uh, that's that's part of being in a, a fellowship or a community uh were there weird things or, or weird doctrines taught yes there was but i think as a whole, fundamentalism helped me understand that I could trust the Bible, and it actually pointed me to be where I w- I'm at today because I believe the doctrines that I hold to come from the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so the great thing about fundamentalism was, like, being your Bible, if, even if it was being your King James Bible. Um, I was there, I was reading it, and by the illumination of the Spirit, I was understanding it, and I was growing in the knowledge of Christ. So as a whole, fundamentalism helped me out extremely there to trust what God has said. Uh, the negative aspect of the fundamentalism was is I became very legalistic because as a young man, um, when you are given these rules, you want to obey them because this is all new to you, uh, being converted later on in my, my teenage years. So I was like, I'm going to hold to these rules. However, I had deep-seated, rooted heart issues mm. that I could never get freedom from because i would come to the the pastor and it was more of like well just pray about that just cover that up and it'll it'll go away someday and and these these were these were deep sins these were rooted things i know god had converted me yet i wasn't getting freedom from them and then i started branching out from my christianity from just the the fundamentalist movement 
and I started seeing biblical counselors. I started seeing that I could find freedom, and that that freedom came from Christ, and it came from the knowledge of the Scripture. And so I started trusting in that, that that Christ has set me free, so therefore I can live free. And I'm not bound to that that sin or that slavery of sin. I have a new nature that's now come from Christ, and I can trust in that. And so on one hand, fundamentalism really helped me get to where I'm at because I said trust the Scriptures. On the other hand, they never had the answers with the Scriptures when I would come and ask the hard questions, like how, how does a young man overcome pornography? And they would be like, well, just trust the Lord, and you, you'll overcome it. And so, so there was a lot of these these deep-seated, rooted things. And, you know, to the first time I saw pornography, I was five years old. You know, and it was like every day I would go back and I would find that magazine that my, my dad had. And so this was a deep-seated thing that was habitual over time. And, and by God's grace, you know, he, he's removed that from my life. But I didn't have the answer to that. So fundamentalism helped me out greatly to trust the Scripture, but they never had the answers when I came to them with, with a heart of repentance. That's, and I don't, I, I'm not going to try to, I know we could get sidetracked on that whole subject, but um, yeah. And I, I'll tell you one area that I've seen that handled in fundamentalism is um, let's all lay hands on you. Yeah. Pray over you. And when you get up, God should have given you the victory. Yeah. And when you go back to it, how defeating. Yeah. Well, that, that's the prosperity gospel. Exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. And uh, I, I've, I've heard Heath Lambert, who used to be the director of ACBC, now pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville, he said that he believes that there's a lot of young men and women out there today that genuinely want to repent of pornography and lust, but they can't get past that because pastors mm. do not know how to help them. Well, the, wow. it would be a lot easier if that kid just went out into the woods and had a surreal experience with God and never had that problem again, rather than me having to counsel him and hold his hand along the way. Oh, yeah. Whether to get into his mess. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it is. When you get into counseling, you're getting into a mess. Mm-hmm. And in some counseling sessions, they're messy for years. Yeah. And and you you guys know it better than we do. But when you when you get into those counseling sessions, you're 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 going to the root of the issue. You're not just pruning the fruits. And you know what that takes for pastors? It's work. Mm. And I think a lot of times in the fundamentalist movement, pastors don't want to work. They just want to get up and they want to preach on Wednesday and go soul winning on Saturdays, preach on Sunday, and then it's feed me, feed me, feed me. And uh, and as pastors, we should want to labor and work for the yeah. flock. My brother-in-law, I don't think you'll mind yeah. me sharing this. Um, he was in the military, saw a lot of his buddies die on the battlefield, and, and came back home, uh, went back to the IFB church, and was really battling with depression some suicidal thoughts and went to the leadership there truly needing help needing truth and he was given the same answer so it reminded me he was just they just told him just pray about it just pray about it and he said that was no help at all in fact it made it worse because he felt like it wasn't helping so there must be something wrong with him so there was no biblical truth given to him it was just this just pray about it answer and i think there are a lot of people that even struggle we mentioned pornography but those that struggle with depression Mm -hmm. and suicide they need help they need pastors to counsel with them And, and we're not saying that that prayer doesn't do anything yeah what we're saying is the the actual understanding of what Austin just said, biblical truth applied to the situation and proper understanding of how to pray in the situation, even praying 
scripture yeah. in the situation. But like you were saying, that takes work yeah. Yeah. to get in and, and, and understand and know how to, how to minister that. It takes shepherding. Yeah. And you just dismiss someone and say, oh, I'll just pray about it. Mm. But, a, but a pastor, you're right, it takes work. They have to counsel and be there. Yeah, you, th- you think about a shepherd and he's going out in, in the flock and you're walking. Like I've, I've walked through pastures with sheep or cow. Sometimes you step in a cow poo, uh, patty. You know, you get a little <laughs> poo on your shoe. You know, and so, so it is. He, he always laughs when I do this stuff. <laughs> These are my analogies. This is how my brain works. Poo it's, on the shoe. <laughs> uh, so, so you're walking through this, this fold and you see uh, a sheep that's went astray. And you're you're call, calling them back, or you see uh, a sheep that's been battered and beaten up by a wolf, and you're you're mending those wounds. You see somebody who has struggled over time with this sin, and you see that they want repentance, but they don't know how. And so we oper operate in the ministry of reconciliation, you know, reconciling people back to their their wives or husbands uh, back to their wives, wives back to their husbands, or rec- the ultimate goal is reconciling them with Christ. And so it's a lot of work. It takes time. Like there, when I was running the boys' home, there was times three or four o'clock in the morning. I had a kid call me and say, "Hey, I'm about to go jump off a bridge." True story. And and then I would have to leave, go get this kid. He's detoxing from drugs. I'm I'm getting him off the drugs and and making sure he's staying alive. Like, am I going to the ER? Am I not? You know, these these things are going through my head. And it's a lot of work as a pastor. And we're called to that. We're called to this work of reconciliation, and we need to step in some cow patties every once in a while, <laughs> and and get dirty in the ministry. So there's there's well, no not only not only is it work there, chance it's it's time consuming and it's exhausting. Yeah, and too many men just say, you know, it's easy for me just to say, hey, read a passage of scripture and pray, and you'll be fine, because it doesn't it doesn't require any any uh, anything of me to say that. Uh, but when you're in the thick of it with someone, it is exhausting, and it is what God has called us to do. So, and I do love the analogy of poo on the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I also say, um, add add to this that um, it, it, in a way, it's easier to tell somebody do this, do this, do this, and have a good day. Mm-hmm. But you're you're missing you're missing the fact, like, and I think I think Chance was alluding to this or even said this, but. The issue is the heart. If you go through the New Testament, Jesus said, you know, you guys have built a system where you said, well, somebody's committed murder, they broke the law. I tell you that if you have if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered them already. You yeah. say, well, if you've committed adultery, you've broken the law. But I tell you, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Yeah. All through the New Testament, he's, he's pointing back the heart. The yeah. heart, the heart. James 4. Why are you guys having conflict? Why are quarrels? What's strife? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. Yeah. It's your heart. Yeah. I think Paul Tripp, I read this the other day. Paul Tripp said, your horizontal struggle is because you have a vertical problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And we, we should smash the idols of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Calvin. All right. Number four. Can you guys tell us some stories of how you have impacted the church with your podcast? James. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the brother of John. John. No, I'll just ask him. Uh, yeah. You know, in my life, uh, you know, I've come from a public school background. And so I've got some friends from uh, public school that 
you know, aren't Christians. And so that's been a blessing just to be able to share some things uh, for them. to. The coolest things that our podcast has done to help um, is there's a guy that's in Texas and uh, he reached out to us and said, Hey, we love the podcast. Love what's going on. Can we, can I start a um, sort of a church service, a small group in Texas in one of the military bases and call it the four freedom uh, chapel almost. And that's been great to see, uh, the, the effects of the podcast being able to break down some of these walls of legalism and uh, be able to impact uh, some specific people. I know John specifically has had several people from uh, the area where he's at that have moved to the area and even attended his church now because of the podcast. And so that's been a blessing, I know, for him. And uh, so it's been great. Uh, for me personally, the impact of the podcast has been practically helping my own life out and helping me out in issues where maybe I wasn't fully firm on and being able to study through an issue that John says, Hey, we're going to do an episode on, um, has helped me and helped my preaching style, uh, in a lot of ways. And it's been, been a blessing for me to be able to do this, John. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention, you, you mentioned the people, we've had some people come to my church, uh, through that. Um, uh, I've actually, um, through the podcast, I've had people reach out to me and started counseling relationships with them. So I've counseled a couple, um, a couple of people that have, have come through the podcast. Um, there was something else I was going to say. My mind just went, went completely Left field. Like, yes. Um, but reached out to us and said, "Hey, the, you know, we did an episode on um, psychology and, and PTSD," and he said, I, "I struggle with that, and that I appreciate your guys' thoughts on that." and just the help that that gave me. Yeah. Yeah, and there was one episode that still to this day the the, the most listened to episode we had um was yeah. still in, in the earlier days um was on um modesty. Oh, really? And just a biblical take on modesty. And we had a shout out to Amy Miller. Amy mm-hmm. Miller um was uh was our guest on that and um I've I, one couple that I actually counseled said that that she that episode was so good for her that she has shared that episode to like several different friends of hers that through uh, had gone through fundamentalist circles and so I'm glad y'all recorded that so we didn't have to (laughs) (laughs) yeah John number five let's go to them all right um what what is the result okay so this is sort of a uh worldview type of situation question what is the result when the truth is removed or we um, could say the truth is absent. I mean, I think you just get a trail of bodies. <laughs> you get Christ or chaos. Um, like um, we were talking about it before, how there's churches where that's the case. And you see all these people that are uh, left broken from that church and you, and you're told, Oh, it's because they had rebellious. They're going liberal. They're compromisers, whatever the case may be. You don't get the story. And then when it happens to you, to you, you realize, Oh wait, there's something going on here. Those people left for good reason. Um, and when you don't have the truth, people still are hungry for it, and they look for it. And when they find it, um, often it, they get blackballed. Um, mm-hmm. They get pushed away. And um, the they save face and keep appearances. Um, but it, you, it, it hurts people when truth is removed. It it's, um, deeply affects others, and we must be vigilant as uh, if we're in leadership to to be speaking the truth, I, I just think of again how my wife was like, "I this passage is amazing," um, and it 
it's because they're being fed the word of God. Yeah. Um, and we need to be sure to feed them truth. Yeah. And we're, we're living in a culture where absolute truth is being attacked. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what is a woman? You know, what, what is uh, what is truth and what is mm-hmm. not? So when truth is removed and we can't honestly say this is true, everyone is confused. There's no order. There's yeah. no... You going to say something? No, I'm, I'm oh, just okay. listening to you. So I think it's when truth is removed, chaos. Yeah, postmodernism. Yeah, you have a yeah. beautiful radio yeah. voice, Austin. Um, yeah i I think it was wilson who said uh, you get christ or you get chaos and and i think that's true and you see that in our culture it's eroding um where we've abandoned truth you get absurdity Mm. you get chaos you get drag queen story hour uh you you get (laughs) you get the things that are paraded in the street i mean it is june right now um there's an entire month of the rainbow <laughs> and it doesn't mean what the rainbow was established to mean. And so, so our culture erodes and it erodes because the, tr- the church is not m- marching on with the truth. We've given fluffy messages, whether they're from Joel Olstein or whether they're from Jack Hiles. Mm. Um, and so you have two extremes and what we need to be is balanced Christians, people who submit to the authority of the Scripture and the authority of Christ, and we go on and we march on with this truth. Whether it costs us, that's okay. I mean, the first century church grew like wildfire when they were persecuted. They were burned at the stake. And and I I truly believe that the modern Easter or the modern uh, American church would uh, be so much better if there was some sort of persecution that we had, you know, like I always joke around and say, Oh, your persecution, you got put on Facebook jail, you know, in the light of eternity, what does that even mean? It doesn't. And so, so I think a lot of times where there is no truth, there's chaos. Or I like to say, absolutely. Where there is no truth, there's chaos. And, uh, you get Christ, you get chaos. Yeah. I, I just watched that, that documentary. What is a woman? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I, I highly recommend it. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think Christians need to watch it. Yeah. Um, but think about this. And I, I've told I've told our church for years. Um, you think about the sin that Satan committed. Go to whether I know theologically we get a debate on whether Isaiah fourteen is actually talking about Satan. I know there's some people that say that's not Satan or Ezekiel uh, twelve. But but Satan's it was it was pride. Yeah. I will be like the most high Mm -hmm. okay and i i say this you are no more satanic than when you are letting pride rule your life now when truth is removed we have a nation that is celebrating the sin Mm -hmm. that satan was eat up with that then had him cast out wow yeah absolutely yep and you see, we're, we're going to get off a rabbit trail here because of his his, his picture. <laughs> it, it is June, so we I have need to throw, take a picture of this and send it. We have to throw some stuff uh, in there. Um, but you see what pride does to the culture. What happens when you, homosexuality rages in the culture? There's not a generation to come. It can't sustain itself. Um, so there's so much ramifications to your your culture. How did Rome fall? I mean, Tyler wants to say something. No, um, you, you said the What is a Woman documentary. I just watched it as well. And um, it may be on purpose for him on his part. Uh, he does come from a Catholic Christian worldview. Right. Um, but even in the documentary, the, the question isn't answered. <laughs> and it can only be answered th- 
through the truth of Scripture. We have the answers for the truth. Um, and uh, that's all I was thinking about when you were saying that, is that um, we need to, again, be pointing the world to the God of the Bible unashamedly, saying and not giving them uh, just questions, but giving them answers as well. Yeah, so we could just say the truth is, in the beginning, God created male and female, mm-hmm. two yeah. genders. Yeah, that's there what Jesus is. said as well. So yeah, <laughs> so and God doesn't contradict Himself from the old to the new. <laughs> exactly. Right. So. It, it, it wasn't assigned at birth; it was assigned in Genesis two, <laughs> yes. or Genesis one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're on number five now. Um, how has good theology impacted your practical life? <laughs> James, you want me to go first, or you go first? I'll go first, and okay. I'll be short. I'm not long-winded like you are. Uh, <laughs> Privately speaking in my life, uh, I, the, the, one of the first moments in my life that this happened was um, about six years ago when I went to the, my first Together for the Gospel conference. Mm. And uh, John was there, and I went with my pastor, uh, who invested so much theology in me and just challenged my thinking, as John said, in his, his same way as uh, having a pastor in him. And I remember sitting there and, you know, just one of those first aha moments in theology where you're just like, holy cow, I didn't, I didn't realize how, how to, for sake of a better word, how starving I was, how hungry I was for truth. Mm. And Kevin DeYoung got up and he preached a message called the, Immut- the immutability of God. And I remember sitting there and taking notes and writing things down. And I got done and I thought, Holy cow, I don't understand almost a word that he said. It was so far above where I was at. And in that moment, I realized I went through Bible college. I'm a pastor, and I am have been a pastor for you know six, seven years now. And I am so far behind theology-wise where I need to be at. And I am so unversed and unread on some practical areas of who God is, what I what I believe in, in the basic areas of of Christianity, and that that right there was a moment where I said things have got to change in my life personally, and things have got to change in my life practically speaking in my preaching, um, and so that that's a one one main area in my life where theology has greatly greatly uh, changed. John, go ahead. Well, James and I like to rag on each other quite a bit, and um, and so I, I just want to say this. Uh, watching him and being close friends with him through, I was there with him whenever, whenever I remember that message, and um, even to today. And there, it has impacted him. I mean, he's not the same person he was in 2018. He he has. I mean, it's it's so cool whenever you're working close with somebody, and then you stop for a moment, take a look back, and see, man, look how Christ has formed him. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so encouraging. That that question, how has theology impacted practical? Uh, my practical That's a hard life, question to answer. It, it it's it is it is my practical life. Mm. I mean, theology yeah. is. I, I say it this way: what you believe determines how you behave. Mm-hmm. You can say with your mouth that you believe this, you believe this, believe this. Let me watch your life, and I'll tell you what you believe. Yeah. And whenever you believe certain things about deep theology and you are committed to the truth of Scripture, it shows up with how you respond. Mm-hmm. It shows up with that. Now, it is it is a process. It takes time to put things off and to put things on. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, yeah it, it changes how you respond to situations, to people, to um, 
you know, you have a robust, just, to, just an example, you have a strong, robust grasp and hold of the theology of the sovereignty of God. And then watch what happens when you get a phone call that shakes your world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It affects you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you, you don't end up just coming to be, is it hard? Oh, yeah. Does it, does it, does it hurt? Oh, yeah. Are you in despair? Oh, no. Yeah. Because it's not random happenstance. It's oh, yeah. in yeah. God's hands. Yeah. You can't, you kind of walk through it knowing that the creator of the universe is going to guide you through it. Yeah. How about this? How does theology affect your practical life? Ask Job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, he's the prime example of how theology outworks his practical life. Yeah. yeah. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Shall, shall we accept good from God and not bad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a guy who had a robust theology. Yeah. 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 And I, I think what you were saying about your theology impacts your practical life, your practical living. Uh, we have a – I'd be careful on how I say this. There's a, there's a gentleman here that was converted a while ago, and he's going through probably the roughest time of his life. And I've seen him curse that time at the beginning, and now I see him trying to seek reconciliation of, of those things. Mm. And so you see this gospel just transforming his heart. And every time I talk to him, he'll have a tear in his eye, and he'll say, God's working on me here. And when the gospel really gets a hold of you, it's transformative. It's yeah. not just a simple profession, but it's, it's a sanctifying work of true justification leads to sanctification. Mm-hmm. And in, in our world... We only focused on justification. Get them to do this so they can say that they are justified. But what we're going to say is your faith will produce works like, like what James says. Mm-hmm. And so practical theology or how you know good theology has impacted me, it's the same thing. It's like when I see an issue and I know that I have the tool or the toolkit from the Scripture to address it, I'm like, I can bank on this. And I'm going to trust God's providence. I'm going to trust God's sovereignty and I'm just going to go forth and I'm going to live. Absolutely. James, we're on our last one with for them? Yeah. Yeah. So if you stayed with us this long, if you're still holding on to the podcast, <laughs> uh, we want to we give two last questions, one for them, one for us. Uh, just sort of to practically apply these things, practically apply how this looks like in your life. And so, men, does the pursuit of truth provide hope in an everyday life of someone's life. Yes. <laughs> I would um, kind of mirror what Chance was talking about with that man in our church. Um, I first met with, with this individual last fall, and at that point in time, there wasn't hope. No. He was crushed. But since then, he's been growing um, in the Word, pursuing truth. And to see him now, he's full of hope. Yeah, It, it changes everything. Yeah, I said it in this office a couple of days ago, and just made me want to weep as he just living out the Christian life. Yeah. I think of um, the passage in Hebrews chapter twelve, in verse twenty-six. It says, "At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens." And then it says, "This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made." in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. And thus, yeah. let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And it just makes me think, like, um, if you're not grounded 
in Christ, um, you're going to be shaky. Yeah. And even to the point, if you are not in Christ, you will be shaken off, be cast mm-hmm. off. Yeah, uh, when we our hope is Christ and we're grounded in truth, and um, we 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 have that intimate relationship with our Lord, um, even the hardest things that come that seem to shake us, the world being shaken all around us, we know that we're receiving something that cannot be shaken, yeah. no matter what happens. Amen. And I think that's the hope that we have in in Christ and being grounded in Him. Yeah, and, Amen. And I, th- I think our hope also um, helps with our practice. So, like mm-hmm. we we build for the future kingdom to come and so we're building with a hopeful kingdom um you know i know macarthur says we lose down here but i don't think we do we're advancing the kingdom uh we're win- we're winning the hearts of god's elect and so my hope and what we do is not to build a, a social gospel or a good christian school or a good social club on sunday morning but my hope is that god gathers the elect here at his church and God's kingdom advances through reigning on the hearts of, of the believers. And so good theology and hopeful theology is best practice as you proclaim the gospel, knowing that it's going to convert people, yeah. knowing that the truth of God is going to march on, regardless if we're burnt at the stake or we live fat and happy all our life. God's truth will march on. Yeah. What they're asking Vody Bauckham one time in a Q and A, like, what what is your hope in you know reform theology? And he said, guaranteed success. <laughs> Amen and yes. <laughs> so yes, yeah, produces hope. Well, I, and I was the, the Bible is just the, the truth. The Scripture is just filled with hope. Yeah, it's 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 every other verse is a hopeful <laughs> verse. Yeah, and I'm this one has been on my mind lately in Philippians one. And you talk about go back to our. We were discussing a little bit about people that are struggling with uh, sexual addiction, pornography. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're working through somebody that's, that's struggling with that. And what is what is one of those lies that they feel? I'll never be able to conquer this. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll always be a slave to this. Well, Philippians one six, Paul says, "I am sure of this, that He Christ, mm-hmm. who began a good work in you, yeah, salvation, sanctification." will bring it to completion yeah. at the day of Jesus. That is a hopeful promise. Amen. Yeah. You are not going to stay there. Yeah. And that's not that's not prosperity gospel. No. It, it doesn't say that it's going to be easy. <laughs> but it's saying, listen, he's not leaving you where you're at. Yeah. yeah he absolutely. will finish what he started. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, have, we have a hopeful gospel. All right. We're on our, our last question for you guys. What does being free in Christ look like from a biblical perspective? Being free in Christ from a biblical perspective, I believe, is is walking a life that is biblical. I know that sort of sounds circular, right? But being free in Christ is is having a a, a walk, a state of mind, a heart. It's it's contentment. It's okay. Let me go back to Philippians. Sorry, I'm using my phone here. We're going to go... 27? Philippians 4. Uh, rejoice, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonable reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. All right? What, what was the question again? What does freedom in Christ look, look like, like in a biblical perspective? Yes. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be known to God. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That is freedom in Christ from a biblical perspective. You are walking a life following the biblical principles, following in the the shoes of Christ, walking with Christ, and you're letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Mm -hmm. and he is transforming you. Yeah. You, You want to tell me that having the peace of Christ reign over you is not freedom? Yeah. And verse 27 says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind side by side for the faith of the gospel. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And you you go back to the work that you guys do, especially Austin here at this church. I mean, people are starving for this, and they're they're not getting expositional preaching going through those passages like going through the entire book of philippians yeah what <laughs> and you're seeing you guys are seeing this in this church you're seeing the impact of whenever you are unpacking the scripture that way the impact that it does on people yeah whenever they're they're getting that and it is free yeah yeah i think i think it's in corinthians where it says the washing of the water of the word how mm-hmm. how we're to sanctify our wives and I think that's probably there's applicableness of, of the word washing. The, the, uh, I can't even say that right Worsen. now. Washing, washing, <laughs> washing <laughs> the hearts of the congregation. Uh, I fit in right around here in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, so, so it's it's such a beautiful thing to see the word of God just make clean the hearts of the sinners. Yeah, James, in preparation. Yeah, in preparation for this, uh, I came across this this quote, and it said this. And I think it sums up what John was trying to say uh, very well. It says that freedom is not a matter of doing what you want without restraint, but cultivating the right wants and living in obedience to God's will. In other words, freedom results when our wants align with God's will. Hmm. Right now I'm studying through uh, the book of Habakkuk with our youth, and uh, we're going to finish it up next week. But Looking through uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 and the waiting that Habakkuk has to do in order for God's will to be done. And he makes that, that famous verse that, that we know of, that one of the only verses we know out of Habakkuk is the just shall live by faith. <laughs> Freedom in Christ is living by faith. Yeah. Freedom in Christ is making our wants line up with God's will and saying, God, no matter what happens, I'm going to live in a way that's according to what you want me to do in a way that is only honoring you, no matter the outcome, no matter what happens in the end, I know I'm doing this because it's what you are wanting me to do with my life. And I think that's what being free in Christ looks like. It's not just the the freedom to just live any way that I want to live, and there's no repercussions. It's living a way that lines up with what Christ wants us to live up with. Yeah, you're a, you're freely bound to Christ. It's what you yeah. love yeah. as being absolutely. Yeah. Servant to Christ. I, I think uh, uh, I, I don't remember who gave this illustration of this. All right, is a person more free when they sit down and they just look at a piano and they just start hammering at keys? Oh, I'm not bound. You can't tell me how to play the piano. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But if they are going through the chord structures, the notes, and they are just following that, 
and you just let them go on the piano. They're making beautiful music. And that's the freedom. James brought up that that aspect, and this is what I've been preaching in our church, just a short series until our, our uh, other pastor gets back and preaches through Amos. And um, the Westminster Confession of Faith, I think, summed up the purpose of man from Scripture so eloquently uh, about 450 years ago. The chief end of man or the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then uh, a dear pastor and saint of God um, uh, in the 80s, I think, sort of took that and I, I, I really do believe that God was was helping him sort of sum up these things for us today. And he said that the 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 outflow of that is that God is most glorified in us <laughs> when we are most satisfied in him. That's that's John Piper. Yeah. Okay, and desiring God. Psalms thirty seven four. I think I got that right. Delight yourself in the Lord mm-hmm. and he will give you the desires of the heart. What do we always do with that verse? We always, our minds, our eyes always go right to the second part of it, the desires of my heart. Yeah. And yeah. even somebody might get combative and say, well, I've done all the things. I've lived the way I should, but I still don't get what I want. <laughs> that verse is not true. Mm. But you're missing the first part. Yeah. Delight in who? God. Yeah. Is God your delight? Now watch this. If God is the desire of your heart, you're delighting in him. And you have the desire of your heart. That's good. Brother. If yeah. you have God as your delight. Yeah. Are you satisfied in him? And that's when he's most glorified. And you're fulfilling your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, it has been 70, 79 minutes. This has been a great Let's episode. Go. Enjoyed having you guys on. James, thanks for joining us. And, John, it's been good hanging out with you this week. Chance, we got some closing yeah, we have a few announcements. few announcements. So we're going to have the Starving for Truth conference. It's going to be next year. It's going to be July 8th and 9th. June, 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 June. 7th and 8th, right? June 7th and 8th. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I was thinking of something else. Um, that's when I'm going to be in California picking up somebody. Uh, so my, my brain works. Scratch that. It's going to be June 7th and 8th. 7th and yeah. 8th. Yes, there we go. Thank <laughs> Friday you, Tyler. And, Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Um, so JC is going to be here. Nathan's going to be here. Uh, and... Uh, we're gonna John's be, mic's about to explode. John, John's <laughs> mic fell over. It's right. He's off air now. Um, and then we're we're gonna be seeing if we can get some more of the RFP groups uh, to be a part of it as well. So that's developing. Um, if you have any questions, please shoot us a text or shoot us a message. And we have hotels that will be cheaper, uh, things of that nature. And then the ladies are are planning something for the ladies as well because the men have a secret spot that they're going to that we can't talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then also, um, Chance and, and my wife are starting a podcast. Chance? Chance? Chance's wife. And my wife. Our wives are oh. starting a podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Did I say that wrong? Well, you, anyway, said, you said Chance and my wife. So okay, it sounded like. I have, I have your attention saying. now, so that worked. Um, <laughs> we're, they're starting a podcast soon called Feminine Faith, and they're going to be launching in July. And so we're looking forward to them jumping on here. And it's it's kind of the same void. You know, there are also ladies that are starving for truth. So I'm yeah. excited for them to start that. Yeah. I'm glad I got your attention now. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think um, they're, they're going to do. They're going to do one a month. Uh, we also we also just launched our website, and we have a membership perk there. It's $10 a month. It helps with just the podcast equipment and running the podcast. Um, but also, I want to offer the ability to help you set up your own website, your own podcast, to kind of build a bigger network. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, please join up. 
but I think this is going to collude or collude. <laughs> we got to end the episode, guys. Oh, man. Go over, check out For Freedom Podcast. So good yes. having them on here with us. Make sure to um, listen to them, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. See you. You guys continue to hang. Found my new name. Found that good grace. Found that healing. And the tears fell down my face when I found my beginning that has no ending. Found that second chance. Thanks for listening to the For Freedom Podcast. If you enjoyed the content of the podcast, please do us a favor by liking, subscribing, or sharing the podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to. 